<laughs> All right, so yeah, welcome to, tonight is the first uh, of Catastrophe. So we just finished several lessons on creation. So now our next quarter is Catastrophe. Um, I'll open us with prayer, and then we'll get underway. Lord God, it's so good that we can gather around your word, that you can teach us and show us uh, more of your character, of your attributes, of how things came to be. God, I just pray that you would open the our ears, open the eyes of our heart for what uh, you have for each of us tonight, and just help us to carry it forward, that you would impact our lives deeply for your glory, for uh, reaching the Yukon and the world and beyond. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so yeah, first of catastrophe. <clears throat> Is that a kind of a giveaway name? <laughs> um, let's do a bit of a review. Um, does somebody want to like take like a, a crack at sort of summarizing a few of these, or do you want a few more to prompt your thinker? Okay, so on these pens, maybe. Whoops. Everybody got pens? Or? I Terry needs a pen. Need a pen? Terry certainly needs a pen, too. We can get people pens. Thank you. Welcome. Anybody else? <coughs> you want a pen? Okay, so let's just break it down. We can, we can tackle it a, a projection slide at a time. So we have uh, a man of God, prophet here, and a Bible and a Bible scroll. What, uh, so as we encapsulated creation, we want to pull through the foundational truths going forward into catastrophe. So as you look at these pictures, tell me the big aspects of God. I don't need to know the nitty-gritty of like, you know, those are the creation of the fish, and, and yeah, we can see that from the picture, thanks. We, we want to know like, the attributes of God through these pictures, and then things of man as, we, as they enter into the picture. Ready, set, go. Who's the first one? God spoke to a door, and then the prophets um, rewrote, wrote the word of God, and, and they... Uh, and by the Holy inspiration of the Holy Spirit, they, they wrote on a scroll, and then it was translated to the Bible after. Yep. So that's the fact of that picture. What does it tell us of God? Is that what you had? God speaks. God speaks. God desires to communicate. Yeah. How about when you look at the timeline? What does it tell you? That's right. He's the only one qualified. That's right. And then since it's his written word, is that our source for all truth? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Um, how about this one here? We've got the black one and we've got the, the angels, the thousands upon thousands, ten thousands upon ten thousands of angels. What can you tell from this black picture and, and then the other attributes of God? That's right. Yeah, God brings things to order. He's an orderly God. God spoke to you, the darkness into light. Yeah, yeah, just with the power of His word, He speaks things into existence. Yeah. 
Feel free to use any, anything that you're seeing up here to prompt your memory. Feel free. It's an open book. <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah, he makes perfection because he is holy and perfect. So what about the events of creating those many angels? He's all-powerful. All-powerful? Yeah, because he wasn't exhausted at the end of that process. <laughs> That's right. Right. Okay. How's about the universe and uh, what we see as a representation of creation? The beginning of creation, at least. Perfection, Perfection again? Yeah. Order. Order. Yeah, yeah, he had a he had a purpose and an order to making things. Yeah, exactly. He sustains all things, gives breath to all things. Well, here's kind of a, a little a series of something. What is that going on there? Creation of mankind. Yeah. So tell me as much as you can now about God and humanity or these specifically these two humans one was made from Adam's room. sure let's try and do it chronologically okay so on the left there first sorry i should have said that right away yeah that's right he's one yet three one being in three persons let's make man in our image okay so then let's go down that image Yeah. Yeah. Very good. Yeah, made as representation of the us, the God, the Trinity God. Yeah. And then uh, I think Emil, yeah, you said here he was he was naming the animals. I think, or no, somebody said naming the animals. So given given rule. Yeah. So again, that's another attribute of in God's image. God is like the ultimate ruler. Mm-hmm. There, you know, here's like. Adam is given dominion of his environment. Um, and then, Emil, you said, yeah, uh, Eve was made from the side of his rib. Yeah. So what do we know about woman, specifically this woman? Yeah, named Eve, meaning mother of all living. She's just as much in God's image as Adam. Just as much. That's right. Yeah. They're both created by God. Yeah, both created by God, both created perfectly, equally. Why did God do it? Help me, yeah. Was it was God loving when he decided to do that for Adam? Yes. Because it said that nothing was found, no no suitable helpmate in the animal kingdom for Adam was found. So yeah, God made Eve. And being all knowing, God being all knowing, he knew what Adam needed. He knew the perfect helpmate for him. Adam didn't need to ask. It wasn't on his Christmas wish list. <laughs> I'd like this model, God. <laughs> he got the perfect one. 
And there they were at the end, and, and here they are in the Garden of Eden. And um, Tony, yeah, you said like the Garden of Lavishness was a word that came up. So lavish, it's, there was many colors pleasing to the sight, the aroma, the smell, the taste, the touch. Everything was perfect. There was an abundance. We've got to remember that, that there was an abundance in the garden. It wasn't a lack in any way. And this was just a, a perfect place. It represented God in terms of him being perfect, a great provider, a great sustainer. He made people in his image to reflect him. Like, so we touched on creativity. God is a great creator. Humans are creative. Um, they can't speak things out of nothing like God can, but there is an overlap there. You know, God gave us the ability to think about painting. We paint, we create in that sense. Um, yeah, very good. So we covered a lot of, about God at this point. It's amazing to me how creation... <clears throat> just reveals the attributes of God. Um, and it says that in Romans too, his invisible attributes are made visible in the created. And um, so we've covered that God is eternal. He's, he's ever present. He's all powerful. He never gets tired. He exists by his own strength. He's never lacking. He's, he's never lonely. He knows all things. No one ever had to teach him anything. He never had to go to school, get a PhD in anything. Nobody could teach him. He existed before anything and existed eternally before and will exist eternally forward so from everlasting to everlasting he's holy so therefore everything he makes is perfect he's gracious he gave adam an abundance of uh, of life around him of plants and animals and then a a, a gracious loving uh, partner helpmate the the woman so man and woman he made them god is good i always think he could have just made them kibble and he do, didn't just make them kibble. And that would have been okay, because he's God. And because he made them, one that I don't know if this was touched on in the review, because he made them, he owns them. And people don't like that. But when you consider all the other attributes of who God is, you love that he owns you. Because he is gracious, because he is good, because he is holy, because he is sovereign. He doesn't need to ask permission of anybody to do anything. He makes it happen. He's unlimited. He never tires as we think of the, the angels and compare that to us like, maybe managing a kid at a piano class or several kids in a, in a classroom or a toddler. Um, and then humans. So in their image, in God's image we were made. Adam and Eve were made perfect. And they're made for an eternal relationship with God, dependent, right? We often tout independence today, but... Uh, God wanted them to be dependent on him because he was the best provider. There's nothing else that they could depend on that would improve their situation any bit. And what was the uniqueness about this relationship between man and God? What was unique about it? Was God offering it just to any old buddy? Any organism? We're the only ones made in his image. Yeah, we're the only ones made in his image. Yes. That's right. So it's not like animals were given a soul and spirit like, like God breathed there into were, Adam. There were our ancestors way back. Adam, Adam and Eve. Yes, there are ancestors. We all come from, right, that set of parents. Eve, yeah. So, very good. Um, anything else you guys want to throw in there that I didn't cover? Yeah, that's right. That's right. That's right. 
God made all things in the beginning pure and pleasurable and good, and that includes sex. And um, that's right, Satan didn't have anything to do with that. So here we go. Um, we are on to catastrophe one. And you'll notice that our heading will change with one, by one word midway through. I know that. <laughs> it's so our, our foundational truth that we're going to go forward with, our hook, is sin started with Lucifer. So we've talked about Lucifer. He was a special angel. Um, we'll do some review into the scripture just to remind ourselves. Am I forgetting anything here? But yeah, here we are. We're at a pivotal point. I know a lot of you guys are kind of teetering at the edge of your seat. Uh, we, we've dealt with these first few pictures here of, you know, God wrote his word, inspired it to be written by man. He made things in a particular order purposefully and faithfully. He set the stage for Adam and Eve. And then I think it was last week there, we were right at the cusp of them at the kind of at the end of it. And you guys were thinking I was going to tip into something juicier. But uh, we're going to hit pause on that. And we're going to be here today. So that's a picture of Lucifer. But we'll, we'll unpack why that image looks the way it does with him up, with an upraised fist. What's that? Picturing Gideon the whole time. And now that it's Lucifer, that picture makes way more sense. There you go. Maybe Gideon, was, eh? Maybe it was mad. Maybe it was mad. Maybe it might have been mad. So now I always wonder what that one, how it fit in. Like, yeah. It makes way more sense now. Yeah. 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 You want me to write that in, you said? Right. What'd you say? You should have a little label on there, Lucifer with an arrow towards it. Okay. He's probably mad at someone. Well, you can imagine one there. He's fishing up in the air. probably mad, eh? Um, so here we are, pivotal point. Everything up to this point was perfect. It was pristine. It was in harmony and unity between all things, between God and humans, between Adam and Eve, between the humans and their environment. They weren't afraid. Like we have a picture back there of um, you know, Adam bending down. Again, artistic rendition. But that idea, I mean, he was named the animals. You know, they were going past him. He named them. So there was, there was perfect unity and harmony between humans and their environment. Between God and all the angels, there was unity. Um, everything God made, as I was speaking already, he was setting the stage. He set the stage for Adam and Eve. And now that they were in it, it was all designed to bless them, to lead their image, his image bearers, God's image bearers, in a continual eternal relationship with him. Abundant, not lacking, amazing, eternal. Imagine that. Imagine some of the hindrances we have today and imagine them not being there at all. This is how perfect it was. But, as I said, it's about to change. So as sin started with Lucifer, there'll be other truths embedded within this. Again, I reminded you last week, as there's other things that come out, even if it's review points, like, yeah, their God was present, or, or um, their God was good or kind. Um, bring those up. Just, you know, interject with me so that you learn to see these foundational truths going through Scripture for yourselves. But the main one, sin started with Lucifer. We're going to do a quick review of uh, the angels because Lucifer springs out of the pod of angels here. So here we have the angels. They were created perfectly. Why? 
because God is perfect. He only makes perfection. They're stronger and smarter than humanity, though. We read scriptures of how they um, traveled quickly. It seemed like without, yeah, great spanses of time. We learned that they're limited in strength. They're limited in knowledge, in, in what they can see and do uh, compared to God. They're only in one place at a time. But as I said, they do move quickly around. They can take physical form. We have accounts in the Bible where they did manifest themselves. Um, they have an ability to think and to reason and to make choices. So that's kind of a, just a snapshot of what we've covered so far. Anything I forgot? Or anything you guys want to add that you know of angels? Yeah. Many, many, many. Ten thousand, ten thousand. Thousands upon thousands. That's right. Right. Yeah, we haven't dove deeply into that just because it can get a little, little confusing at this stage of the game. But yeah, there's, there's kind of seems like mighty angels, cherubs, and, and other angels. I don't even have myself all figured it out here yet. But, but yeah, there are rankings of angels, legions. It talks of those who sort of seem to be like a guardian cherub. No, I, you made it. Oh. Oh, okay. Okay, yeah, yeah. Was it like a guardian angel? I mean, there's there is a lot of talk of guardian angel, and and is like to what degree does that happen? I mean, God is we have an ever present God who's all seeing, all knowing, ever present all the time. So I'm I'm not sure the full role of angels in terms of guardianship over people. Um, does anybody want to add to that? But yeah, I won't go any farther into that because it is, it is one that I'm not super well versed in. But yeah. it'd be hard to make that, um, to know too much from her just saying that. It could have just been the first thought that came to her mind. Yeah. Maybe she didn't even really know yeah. whether there were angels because she didn't expect to see Peter. Mm-hmm. Right. So she was like, well, it can't be Peter. So what could it be? And made something up and everything. And in her culture in that time, it might have just fit with what she was a logical next thought, perhaps. No, I mean, there's guardian cherub that's mentioned in reference even to Lucifer. Whether that's each person having Right. And Satan is like an angel of light, too. comes like an angel of light. Yeah, and he started as an angel of light. So let's, yeah. let's get into some of that. Because um, we'll read... In Ezekiel, if you guys want to turn with me to Ezekiel 28, 13, that Lucifer indeed was a special angel. We're not, we're not downplaying that he wasn't. Ezekiel 28, verse 13. Kevin, you want to get that for me? I'm just kidding. Somebody read that nice and clear for me if they would. You were in Eden, the garden of God. Every precious stone adorned 
crystallite, onyx, and jasper, sapphire, turquoise, and gold. Your setting and mountains were made of gold. On the day you were created, they were prepared. You were anointed as a guardian cherub, for so I ordained you. You were on the holy mountain of God and walked among the fiery stones. You were blameless in your ways from the day you were created. That's good. Perfect. <laughs> good. So what an amazing description. I mean, like, it's like every beautiful stone that I never even knew existed is mentioned decorating him. Decorating him in stones. Yeah. Yeah, God ordained him as a mighty angelic guardian, it says in the NLT version here. Fine as gold. Yeah. Hmm. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Good catch. Yeah, I mean, not only just how he was adorned, but right at the beginning, like model of perfection. Yeah, model of perfection, perfect, exquisite in beauty, full of wisdom. Doesn't sound like he's lacking much here. So as we go, let's just read 14, 15, but just the first half of 15. Um, I'll just review that. I ordained and anointed you as the, mighty, as, a, as the mighty angelic guardian. You had access to the holy mountain of God and walked among the stones of fire. You were blameless in all you did from the day you were created. So again, just reinforcing that there was nothing about him that was created impure or imperfect. He was created by a holy God, perfect, from the day he was created by God. And he was created. He wasn't eternal. Anything else jump out at you guys? We meant, I think, yeah, your version there, Judy, mentioned... Uh, Cherub. Do I have that on this one here? Oh, guardian. Guardian. Yeah, guardian cherub. So, I mean, yes, a cherub, and we'll, we'll read more about cherubs a little bit later too, but they are a special angel. And Lucifer was one of these amazingly special angels, beautiful, blameless. But, of course, a lot of us know that something happened. So we're going to keep reading a little farther to see what went on here. So 15b to 17a in those verses. So... Blameless in all you did from the day you were created until the day evil was found in you. Your rich commerce led you to violence and you sinned. So I banished you in disgrace from the mountain of God. I expelled you, O mighty guardian, from your place among the stones of fire. Your heart was filled with pride because of all your beauty. Your wisdom was corrupt by your love of splendor. Here we have the verse on the board. Pardon? By what love and splendor? What was that? Yeah, his, his wisdom corrupted. Wisdom corrupted by love? Yeah, exactly. By love of splendor. His heart was filled with what? Do we have it there? Yeah. Proud. On account of your beauty. So, like, pretty vain. You corrupted your wisdom because of your splendor. Sure. That's okay. Pizza's here. <laughs> 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 
You didn't have to order pizza, Terry. <laughs> but you could have. But you could've. <laughs> so then Satan failed to handle the splendor of his position that God gave him. And so his, his corrupting pride formed in his heart. Um, let's read from Isaiah. We'll go to Isaiah 14, 13, and 14. Let's read from here to see how Scripture des describes his thoughts, his attitudes, and then his actions or deeds. Isaiah 14, 13, 14. Somebody want to read that for us? You said in your heart, I will ascend to heaven. I will raise my throne above the stars of God. I will sit enthroned on the mount of assembly on the utmost height of the sacred mountain. I will ascend above the tops of the clouds. I will make myself like the most high. Just 13, yeah, perfect. How many I wills do you see there? Lots. One. Two, three. Two. Five, three. Three. Four, four five. Four. Yeah, five. Wow. I will, I will, I will, I will, I will. This is Satan speaking of himself in his heart. He thought he was great as God. He thought that he could, he could take the place in heaven, number one. He thought that he could put his throne above God's. He thought he would govern. He thought that he would ascend above the tops of the clouds proudly, arrogantly. He thought he would be like the Most High, God. Wow. Sin started with Lucifer as he thought and acted on self-centered, sinful pride, on selfish ambition. He allowed this to grow in his heart, which resulted in him rejecting all the truth that he knew and ultimately rejecting his owner and his ruler. He was created, right? So the one who created him owned him fairly, fair and square. Lucifer being beautiful and powerful, he was arrogant, thinking he could become his own owner and ruler. He thought that here he could reject the one that made him. I mean, how ridiculous is that? You know, it would be, it'd be similar to like one of our little kids, if any of you have kids, saying, I'm going out on my own. I'm going to go stake me a claim there up on Bonanza Creek, Dad. Two years old. I'm out of here. Right. And, Dad, I'm going to have more money than you by tomorrow. Nice car. Yeah, right. Let me see you step out from this house. You'll freeze. You won't even make it across the moat at the bottom of our driveway. That is actually there right now. Yeah. What arrogance, hey? So let's bat this around. Actually, I shouldn't show you that yet. What is, what is sin, you guys? Rebellion so, against God. Rebellion against God. So how do you rebel against God? All sins. Okay, we're not going to run down the all sins famous list at this point. That's way down the line, but how do you define it? So I'm stranger on the street. You guys, Christians, you're always we're talking about sin. sin. We're all sinners. Yeah, I don't know that, though. I'm on the street, and no you guys are always talking about sin. No What's, is what is sin? I'm pretty good. I gave $2 to the, to the pound the other day. That makes me a good person. So what's, at this point in time, I'm not talking about us. We're, we're in the story right here. 
but it doesn't really change much for us. What is sin? Layman's terms. Breaking the laws of God. Breaking the law of God. Yeah, yeah. So, is there a rejection of God? Well, he's not obeying. Right. Yeah, now we're getting down to a little more boil the terms down a bit. Yeah, not obeying him. Not obeying what? What of him? His will. His will? Yeah, there we go. What did, what did we talk about being his authority? Obeying his word? Did I hear? Rejecting his, authority. Rejecting his authority. He's owner. He's the ruler, rightfully so. Rejecting that. Yeah, totally. Everything to do with that is a total offense to a holy God. Yeah. To, to his truth, to his rule, to his ownership. And... We might think it's only, you know, just a little, a little bad thing. It's a little bit of disobedience or whatever. But it's, it's any thought, it's any word, it's any action or attitude against God, against his, against his rule, against his sovereignty, against his character, against his purity, his holiness. Um, so we have this up here. Sin is anything that rejects God. So we heard that. It rejects his character, rejects his word, his will. Rejects his rule, his ownership, rejects any of his ways. And then I just wanted to throw out some other other words up here, uh, just that are not fully synonymous with sin, but just to help describe it a little better: iniquities, transgression, wickedness, unrighteousness, injustice, perversity. Are there other ones that come to mind? Lack of faith. Lack of faith. Yeah, absence of faith. So as we dive in at this point, we, can, we see and understand, I hope, that sin and rebellion have begun, have seriously begun. So our first consequence, consequence part one, it's immediate. God throws out of heaven, we're going to read. God stands completely above everything. He will not share his position with anybody else because nobody else is like him. Nobody else even shines a light to him in the least. He alone is supreme, right? Remember, he's good, he's just, he's faithful. God, as being holy and just, he judges all who stand in rebellion and opposition to him. So let's read his response to Lucifer's sin. We're going to go um, back there in Ezekiel. 28, 16, 17. Keep your hand, keep your hand there on Isaiah too, because we'll be flipping there. Immediate? Pardon? What's after immediate? Um, What's thrown out of heaven. Thrown yeah. Yeah, back to Ezekiel. We're kind of flat, flipping back and forth on the, the word a lot here tonight, so hopefully you got a good finger for it tonight. Ezekiel 28, 16, and 17. Somebody read that for me.
And then back to Isaiah 14:12. Thanks, Janet. There we have it. How did God deal with it? What was his response to Lucifer's rebellion? Separation. Separation, yeah. How did he separate him, Judy? Threw him out. Threw him out. Yeah, out of heaven. Where's that angels? Where to? Where did he throw him to? To the earth. Yeah. Did he do it gently, nicely, politely? <laughs> Cast. Cast. Yeah. Cast down, that's right. Oops. He must have uh, taken all the goodness out of, uh, out of him that he had when he was created. Hmm, the, that beauty. Yeah, taken all the goodness out of what Satan had. Oh, for sure. Like, you look back here. Right, yeah. I look at this verse here. It drove him... He drove him in disgrace. He expelled him. I mean, yeah, that has this idea of stripping. Yeah. Stripped him and booted him out. Mm-hmm. It was no, no uh, gentle, gentle thing here. God does not look lightly upon someone uh, thinking that they can compete for his, his glory. Um, okay, we're going to go to the back of the Bible. Revelation 12, 3 and 4. Just to quickly touch on a fact here. Revelation 12, 3 and 4. It says, uh, Then I witnessed in heaven another significant event. I saw a large red dragon, that's another term for, for uh, Lucifer, with seven heads and ten horns, with seven crowns on his head. His tail swept away one-third of the stars. Star is another, uh, is that synonym or word for angels? His tail swept away one-third of the stars in the sky. He threw them to the earth. He threw them to the earth. So here we have a picture of what maybe, again, artistic rendition, but it was disgraceful. It was cast out. It was no kind, courteous act. This was a rebellion he had led. Taking, it says, you're here in Revelation, kind of, we get this idea of a huge chunk of the angel. A third, it says roughly, if, if we read that correctly. His followers are known as what? What do we call them today? Demons. Yeah. Demons are evil spirits. Yeah. And then... Hang on. You're getting ahead of us. You're ambitious. I like it. 12, still in Revelation 12, 7 and 9. So talking about a war here with, among the angels. Then there was a war in heaven. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon, Lucifer, and his angels, the demons at this point now. And the dragon lost the battle. And he and his angels were forced out of heaven. This great dragon, the ancient serpent, called the devil, or Satan, the one deceiving the whole world, was thrown down to the earth with all his angels. So dragon or devil? Yep, dragon, devil, yeah. Satan. So here is saying his angels, but it's referring to what we know of today as demons. Um... So 
So God removed them from his presence in his holiness. Can he, can he be in the presence of that? Will he stand someone that's competing for him, for his competition? No. So we, we, we've been flipping now. You've been hearing me say the word Lucifer. Sin started with Lucifer here in Revelation in uh, NLT. And I think NIV there, it has it as Satan. So there are two names, Lucifer and Satan. Do you guys know the differences? Why one, why the other? So, I mean, Lucifer, I believe it's more of a Greek term that isn't known to the Old Testament, um, but it has basically become synonymous with Satan. But Satan, we, we in established now flip over to Satan because Satan has a specific meaning to it, being adversary or the adversary or enemy. So as we talk about Satan, he's the enemy of God. He is the adversary to God. Um, and that's what happened at this rebellion. Because before he was the morning star, he was glorious, he was beautiful. He now went into rebellion with these angels that were on his side. And now he is Satan and the demons, the evil spirits as well. So now we're into the second consequence, part two. When we're looking to the future, we'll read in here in Matthew 25, 41, a little bit more of this. But God has prepared a lake of fire for, for these created beings for Satan and his fallen and the fallen angels. So go to Matthew 25:41 to answer what does it mean to be cursed by God? Matthew in the New Testament there. Matthew 25:41. Who has it there? And he will say to those on his left, Depart from me, you who are cursed into the eternal fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. There you go. So it's not me that's saying it. God made a lake of fire, an eternal fire, prepared for devil and the demons. Yeah. Lake of fire. That's right. And his angels, right? Yeah. Prayer for the devil and the angels. So what does it mean, you guys, when you think of being cursed by God? So it says here, depart from me, you who are cursed. What does it mean to be cursed by God? A separate, yeah, it sounds like a curse. Yeah, like a sentence. Eternally. I like that. Well, eternally managed? Banished. 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 Okay. But I did like what I misheard. <laughs> eternally managed. I mean, in, in courts here today, a judge can judge and hands are washed. And yes, not, I'm not saying God's hands wouldn't be washed if you're in God's curse here, but there's an, there's an act of judgment of God when you're under the curse of God, when you're punished in a place like the eternal lake of fire. Does it sound like it's, it's a once you've paid your dues and you're done if it's an eternal lake of fire? I, I think I gave you these next series of scriptures, Revelation, Mark, Revelation again. Um, I'm just going to kind of breeze through it here. Revelation 20, 14, and 15, it describes the place of judgment as, as a lake of fire. God prepared a place of everlasting punishment for Satan and the demons who follow him. In Mark 9, 48, it describes that this lake of fire that the maggots or worms will never die and that the, lake, that the fire will never go out. 
And in Revelation 20.10, it also says that Satan and his demons will be tormented day and night forever and ever in the lake of burning sulfur. There is an active aspect to this curse that we read in Matthew 25.41, you who are cursed. That's substantial. I don't, and that word is not substantial. That is massive. So a question for you, kind of off the cuff a bit. Are Satan and the demons there now? No. No. Many are presently where? On earth. On earth. On earth yeah. doing their thing. There are, uh, yeah, exactly. And I'm not going to dive deep into this, but yeah, many are on earth. Mm-hmm. Um, there are verses that also suggest that some are held up in captivity as well, but I'm not going to divide that right now. Um, but yeah, many are presently on earth. And, and their placement into the lake of fire is future. Um, so here we have our title change. Notice that? Subtle. <laughs> sin started with Satan. So let's reread this definition of sin. I think, uh, did I put this in your book? It starts with the word anything. It's highlighted in kind of an orange. Let's read this out loud together. So sin is anything that rejects God, his character, his word, his will, and his ways. Sin dishonors God, whether thought, word, attitude, or action. Anything to add to that? So it rejects God and it dishonors God. And it can be basically anything that is against all of who he is. Some will have difficulty, I think, understanding how, yeah, this perfect Lucifer that we read about earlier could become corrupt and could sin like this. He was described as blameless, right? But being created, being created perfect doesn't mean that there's an inability to disobey. Satan had that ability, clearly, right? He was made perfect, the word says it, and then he disobeyed and was cast down in disgrace. So being created perfect doesn't mean that there's an inability to disobey. Let's read. Yeah. Right, yeah, and let's, let's, we're going to dive there right now. Go with me uh, to James 14, James chapter 1, verse 14 and 15. So this, this will start to answer that question or that thought, Terry. It says here in James 1, 14 and 15, but each one is tempted when, by his own evil desire, he is dragged away and enticed. And then, after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is full grown, gives birth to death. There you have it. There's a progression. Remember in Isaiah 14, 13, we read five I wills. Satan says, you said in your heart, I will, I will, I will raise myself higher, my throne higher, my dominion higher, higher than the mountains, higher than the heavens. I will, I will, I will. So what are we starting to hear in these statements? Nike commercial? (laughs) I'll be awesome or what? Just do it. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah. There's a word that I think summarizes that. Pride. Pride, yeah. So, I mean, I don't think this takes a lot of convincing that pride is sin, but I'll ask you, is all pride sin? And this is just, I'm getting into a bit of um, English vocabulary nuance. But is all pride sin? Sure. So I'll just throw it. I just—it's not a big thing. I just wanted to kind of throw it out there for for someone again that, yeah, might be thinking this. My my kid did this. I'm proud of how well he did. Is that is that a sinful pride? You have to figure out what the definition of pride is. Okay, we'll go there. So let's define self-centered, <coughs> sinful pride. Because I think what I just said, that sentence that I said, I'm proud of my family or something like that, in, in the light I have behind that is not a sinful. But let's define what is sinful pride. So we have here, I, you might have noticed a couple of charts, pride and humility. So this is the pride, the sinful pride I'm talking about. It's where you're, the posture of your heart, your thoughts are, God, you are not good. So lying against who we are developed who he is, he is good. But you're saying, you're not good, I don't need you. But he's our owner. We rely on our every breath. So that's a lie. It's saying, the proudful heart saying, I'm able to overthrow the one who created me and take his place. The eternal one. The one who has no beginning and no end. Yeah, right. I exist by my own strength and wisdom. No one will rule over me or tell me what to do. God has ultimate authority. His word is our source of authority. He created us. We are not responsible for our heart to beat or our next breath or the sun to rise tomorrow. That is sinful pride. Or I alone have the final say over everything in my life. I mean, we heard a sad, tragic event today that somebody got hit on, on 2nd Avenue and, and it was fatal. Mm-hmm. Did that person have final say over that event? Sadly, no. That's proud, arrogant thinking to believe that you do have final say over your life. And then another point here, I'm good. There's no sin in me. I do good things. So therefore... I'm good. I'm, I'm not a sinner. I'm not sinful. Those are, that, that's the pride I'm talking about. So when I talk about self-centered sinful pride, those are the things that I'm thinking about. Any questions on that? Have it in bigger print if, for the younger people. <laughs> for Andrew back there. <laughs> so... When Lucifer sinned in rebellion against God, it was this. He's saying, I'll rise up above you. He thinks he can overthrow the one who created him. He thinks that he can take God's place. Essentially saying that he doesn't need him to be God. He doesn't need God to be in his place of authority. All of, all of Satan's I wills are this. A rejection of God and all of his attributes. So then, ambition some people will just go a little deeper. Is, is ambition sin? Is all ambition sin? No. I mean, Satan was ambitious. He sounded pretty ambitious that he wanted to rise the ranks. So you're saying no. I think you're right. At the heart of sinful pride, though, is selfish ambition. And, and that's a desire to take God's place. And that can be in our lives, too. Right. Yeah, again, thinking that you are self-deterministic, thinking that you are um, 
again, existing and breathing by something that you're doing right. Yeah. I think there's like a lot of confusion about the word pride because a lot, almost all the time people use the word in a positive way. Like sure. It's a proud man or a proud father or, you know, um, you know a person uh, to be proud of, you know. Yeah. Right. And that's, that's why I wanted just to touch briefly on that, just because of our English language has evolved that to be... Yeah, some people use it in business too. Business too, they use pride. Like, like in meat cutting meats and stuff. Yeah. Pride in meat or... Yeah. Meat cutters use that too. And yeah. Other people use that. And the heart behind that would be drastically different than everything we've outlined, I, you know, I, I think. But it, it could also not. You could be proud of your son, but you could also be proud of your son for the wrong reasons, thinking you created your son, you made your son the way he is, you enabled your son to be as good as he is. So it could take that slant. But you're right. I'm not disagreeing. I just wanted to touch on it because I'm not going to, if I hear you say, hey, I'm really, you know, yeah, proud of my girl did so well at piano, her recital. Right on. Great. Glory to God that, you know, that kind of a thing. Well, I think maybe, um, like, proud of your own work. Right. You know, instead of saying that, you know, uh, me or I did this uh, with God's help, you know. Yeah. I think that's why, like, the negative pride is often self-centered and isolating. It's not God-glorifying. So, yeah, very good. It's good contribution to have a discussion like that. Oh, yeah. Um, there's prodding eyes, or the proud look, um, a lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that devises wicked schemes, feet that are quick to rush into evil, a false witness who pours out lies, and a man who stirs up dissension among brothers. Mm. I mean, that that's sin. That's yeah. what God hates. Very good. Thanks, Judy. So. Here we have Satan choosing to ignore that he was created by God and that he's been honored by God as a special angel to begin with and a guardian cherub, but then he slaps it, throws it back in his face. Think about this. Lucifer lived in the presence of the majesty of God. He saw firsthand things unfolding. This should have been a constant reminder to him of the greatness of God, of the power of God, of the holiness of God. Did Lucifer forget the difference between himself and God? What do, what do we often say about pride? What, what does pride do to our sight? Right. Yeah, say that, Janelle. Right. Yeah. Ezekiel 28.17 showed us how his wisdom was corrupted. Um, Isaiah 20, yeah, back there again, 28, 17. What did I say? Ezekiel. <laughs> I'm like looking at Isaiah, I'm like, ah, that's not the right one. Yeah, you, your wisdom was corrupted by your love of the splendor, love of splendor.
it's amazing how pride and arrogance can blind, blind you from really reality. Reality. And that's sometimes a hard one for people to think, oh, reality, hang on a second, you Christians have one reality and I have a different reality. But no, the reality I'm talking about are the truths of the word that we've uncovered, the truths of God, the truths of everything, of who we are before him. It blinds us from that reality. We're created, we are owned, we have a ruler. And yeah, pride can corrupt, blind us. I want to show you guys this fun picture. I've worked super hard on this. Daniel, Do you like that? Daniel the Giant. Wrong. David Goliath. No. How long did Google search? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Do you like that? So often, some people think of God and Satan fighting kind of this, this equal battle, sort of like a, you know, one for the other, eye for an eye, like, ah, yeah, equal footing, equal weapons. Is this how it is, like this, this picture here? No. No. Right. Yeah, this picture doesn't even come close to the reality. Here, I'm going to show you something that comes closer, but I would still say does not come close. I know this image is too small in your print, but I just wanted it as a memory cue for you to have in your notes. Here's the earth. Do a little, little zoom, a little picture bigger to scale, you know? I mean, even that's probably too big for Satan that he would be standing on the North Pole. <laughs> but uh, the God, the God. here we have Satan. And here we have God's, God's sword, and here we have the tip of the sword. We're, we're starting, yeah, exactly. That's like God's like fingernail trimmer or something, you know? Like, that's, uh, that's kind of starting to get a little bit closer. It is no battle for God. Satan is the smallest speck under the authority of God. Even though he was, yeah, great and mighty, whatever, great mighty cherub, he was created by God. He is no match for God. Let's dive into why God won't give his glory to another. We have question seven here. Why would God cast out from heaven Satan and the angels who followed him? Why? Because you were at rebel against God. Right. But what about that? He was no longer perfect. He was no longer perfect, yeah. And so here he is in the presence of a holy God, of, of one who is perfect. He was with sin. He was with sin. God wouldn't have this in his presence, would he? That's God's holiness. He doesn't stand in the presence of sin. God will not give his glory to another as one, des one desires to fight for it. Um, Isaiah 42, 8 says, I am the Lord, that is my name. I will not give my glory to another or my praise to idols. Why? Let's keep hammering this out. What else is worthy of it? He starts with saying, I am the Lord. Again, stating the, stating the facts, like Genesis 1.1. In the beginning, God. Here he's saying, I am the Lord. So he's, he's, he's stating, I am eternal. I am forever. I am ever-present. I am all-powerful. I am all-knowing. I am self-existent. I am loving. I am gracious. I am faithful. There is no other. Right. Yeah, exactly. It's an arrogance to go the other way. 
yeah, God will, God will just not allow just anyone or anyone for that matter or anything to replace him in his position because he is so perfect, faithful, absolute in all areas. So he's the one true God. Anything would be a massive sacrifice and compromise, but it's also impossible to be anything else. If it could be anything else, God would not be who he says he is. The reality is God won't give his glory to another because there is no one else like him. He alone is him. And we can rest because of all those attributes I just rattled off. We can rest that he is perfectly good. Right? He is, he is loving. He's the one who sustains life. He is merciful and gracious. He gives good gifts. He holds back things that in a sense shouldn't, he shouldn't hold back at times. But he is gracious. He gives good gifts to the, under, to the undeserving, the unearned unmerited so we can rest with that again as you think of sharing this with other people well that sounds weird like if you told me like i'm not going to give my glory or credit maybe we might say that today like i'm not sharing my credit like that was me on stage so i'm not sharing my credit like yeah the sound guy did some fancy finger work back there to make sure my singing was in tune but i was a show it, it can come off like that can't it a bit but again we're building on foundations here of who is god he is not arrogant. He is not sinful. He is not um, seeking to take a position that isn't rightfully his. Well, like, um, getting back to the definition of pride and, like, saying, um, being proud of what you, your, your work. So you made something and it's very good. And uh, see, it says, Supreme, he will not give his glory to another. So your pride is not just taking like what how good I am, you know, and what a good thing I've done, you know, but uh, sharing <coughs> your pride with first giving saying that God is, you know, actually the one who did this, you know, you know, or that um, um, the glory is God's. Right. Yeah. It's a stealing. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Well put. Um, yeah. It's just it's an interesting thought to think about, but like God's not threatened when we try to take His glory. He wasn't really threatened by Satan because he, if He's if He's who we believe He is, like there's no way He can be threatened. He's all powerful, but but it's just it's impossible for Him to tolerate that. Right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, his holiness demands. Yeah, well, and the truth, the truth is that he right. deserves the glory. So he right. would be truthful if he let anyone else have That's right. Yeah. yeah, this is good. Yeah, it, it, sometimes he wouldn't be God if he let somebody else have the glory. That's exactly right. Yeah. He wouldn't be God if he let someone else have the glory. Because that's the definition of God. All worthy of all glory. All praise and honor. Anything less, you're right, would make him not worthy of it. But he is, because of his perfect holiness. Sometimes his freedom means we need to be reminded who we are and who we are not. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So God, just simply put, did not create, as I have highlighted for you guys, he didn't create the angels or spirits to be his ruler or for them to be even independent and be their own ruler. In an attempt to take God's position and glory for themselves, Satan, as we read, 
uh, got kicked out in an attempt to elevate themselves and remove themselves under, from under God's authority, the Holy Almighty God removed them, removed Satan and his followers. And he prepared what for them? Eternal lake of fire. Eternal lake of fire, yeah. And that was appropriate. That was the punishment for their sinful rebellion. As I say that, do you agree? Why or why not? Why do you agree? That's because you said, yes, I'll go that way. Why do you agree that the lake of fire was a just punishment for that rebellion? And we're talking specifically of this event, Satan rebelling. makes it all the worse yeah yeah he had full disclosure right kind of a thing and still rejected I mean he was going against he saw who created it all and he was going against that supreme ruler God like you said exactly he saw it all rejected it all so that was the truth he rejected the truth he challenged God's position and he was, in a sense, pretending like God wasn't holy. Because as, as Becky was saying too, yeah, and you, it's like if he wasn't holy, he would have accepted it. He would have kept him there. But he banished him. He judged sin. And this reveals God's holiness through and through. Their choice is the reason for their final destiny, the lake of fire. Why do you think God records this event for us to read of Satan's fall, of sin here? Why do you think we have, I mean, every word of, that we have in the Bible is God breathed. It's, he's the author. Why did he decide to record this for us? Pardon? Warning. Warning? Warning us. Warning. I think it shows us that God is not the author of sin. Right. Yeah. That too. God's not the author of sin. He's not the creator of evil. Is it an example about how nobody comes up against God and wins? I mean, this was the most powerful angel. I don't know what else would be kind of next in line to God, and he was easily overthrown. No one can fight against God and win. You see how ridiculous Lucifer's proposition was, his arrogance, and there was no contest. Case in point, no contest. Big sword. And two, I think it's, a, it's a worshipful that we can know this. We can stand in awe of the one who is so holy and he is perfectly supreme. This is how he deals with things. And we can say, God, that's how good you are. That's how perfect you are. And we worship you. That is him. And we see, too, it's a lesson. We see how absolute holy he is. It's not like me with my kid. You know, sometimes I tolerate a little bit of disobedience and sometimes I tolerate like none. I just try to be consistent, but I'm frail and finite and get tired. And <laughs> but God is just like, nope, here's the line, total line. No questions asked. That's how he, that's how he was with his angels, who had exact, uh, got to see it all, got to know full disclosure of who he is. And I think also, too, it, also, it was recorded because we can fear God in, in a good, healthy, right way. 
that he is to be feared. He's not to be treated as a fool. He's not to be taken lightly. He's, his word isn't to be tested in the sense of doubting, oh yeah, God, you don't mean that? I'm going to go this way and pretend like there's not going to be any consequence. There will be a consequence. <clears throat> so let's dive into some of these questions that I have. Some contrary beliefs about Satan and, and Satan's power. And then also beliefs of this is lake of fire. So beliefs of lake of fire and, and the eternal penalty of sin. So it's starting with the first question there. What, what do people believe about Satan? What's kind of a... Where are we at here? Oh yeah, there's that. <laughs> oh, there's that. There you go, anyways. We'll get there. Sometimes I lose track of my PowerPoint, but sorry. Beliefs about Satan and his power. What's, what is a lie that's out there or a belief that's out there that we can identify as lies tonight um, that, that fly against the truth of who God is and who Satan is? Yeah, thank you. Doesn't exist. Yeah. Yeah, like it's... He's enjoying it. That's his home. That's yeah. Happy. It's a happy place. Yeah. That he's strong. Yeah. Well, he is strong, but but all strong, you mean? Like all powerful or what? strong, like feels strong. He feels strong. Oh. Satan's stronger than he is? Oh, thank you. Yeah, equal opposite to God. He's a weakling, actually. That's right. What else? Yeah. Yeah, right. In Mormonism, that he's the brother. Brother to God. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Powerful enough to be feared. Like kind of with the assumption above God, more than God, or equal opposite. Equal opposite. Yeah. Okay. How about um, and I mean even ask yourself this: What, what you know? Where did, where have you placed Satan in your thinking? Um, I think some circles that I've seen, it's, it, you know, Satan actually is unknowingly given glory, unknowingly given um, credit, really, through, through a greater fear than he deserves. So, uh, one lady uh, in Tim Hortons one day wearing a t-shirt, and on the back of her t-shirt, it was a circle with an upside-down star, with a goat on her, like a satanic goat on, on her shirt. That's a strange, Satan, that's a Satan's like, isn't he? Uh, some strange... Yeah, well, we read ball. many heads, horns. Many heads, horns. Yeah. That's what I saw in Tim Hortons one day. Yeah, oh, weird, hey? Strange. It was weird. <clears throat> I think there's also some Christians 
circles that um, might elevate um, Satan and his demons in terms of spiritual warfare and blame Satan for when we sin. Hmm. When we just read in James that says it's our own evil desire that gives birth to sin. And so I think there's some circles that um, put undue, and I mean, he is obviously, like you said in here, he originated, like, he was the originator of sin and evil. Like, that's where it came. But I sin because of my own evil desire, so I don't need to put, like, that's on me. I need to repent of that. So it's not, like, giving Satan extra, I don't know if that makes sense. Yeah, 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 it's kind of, well, it's passing the blame. It's, it's, giving, it's giving him glory. Like, yeah, because yeah, he wants to take people down. Exactly. Yeah. So. Another one would be that, that Satan is eternal. Hmm. He existed kind of against God. There's always been these two kind of opposing forces. Two forces. Yeah. Yeah. There's again back to that picture of like a just equal in time and in, in existence and power and yeah. Yeah. Like <coughs> he is like uh, the evil God. Well, right. The, you know, you got the one good and the one bad on your shoulder. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. It doesn't exist. Metaphor. And there's another word for Satan, too, uh, also, too. Uh, and um, what do you call those people that have that club? What's that club called? Um um, the Masonic Lodge. Okay. Well, well, they 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 do good things, but but uh, I saw a Christian track before, and it says Bonafet on the it says Bonafet on the on the Christian track, and it says the uh, people that follow followers of the Masons, you know, and stuff like that. Huh. Their God is Mom Bonafet. Bonafide, Satan, yeah. In other words. Huh. It had horns and it had like a goat head, a goat head, and had a. Yeah. Weird. Okay, let's do this question. Second one, a contrary belief. What are beliefs of lake of fire and, a eternal, and the eternal penalty or uh, yeah, penalty of sin? What, what pushes against what we learned tonight? What's out there? What's in your thinking? What's in general society, culture thinking up here? Old fashioned. Old fashioned. Same thing. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, scare tactic. I've heard that a lot. Yeah, Satan rules the lake of fire. Yeah, exactly. People joke about it. Well, if I'm in hell, at least I'll see you there, pal. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. The, the pushing against the penalty that there is a consequence. Yes. God is love, won't send me there. Well, it won't send anyone there, maybe, hey? Temporary. Temporary? Yeah. Yeah, like a place of payment, place of payment, purgatory. Yeah. And that your fate is changeable, right? That you just get to 
Yeah, pushing against the eternal aspect. It's not eternal. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Just make, seeing some ideas I had here, see if there's anything else I wanted to pitch out. Even like with Satan, that he's, I mean, equal opposite, so then even containing that, that he too is all-seeing, all-powerful, everywhere present. Some people can have that idea of him. You know, I've heard people say like, oh, the devil's knocking at my door. Like, seriously. It's like, well, the devil A is one, and he is not everywhere present. So why are you so special? (laughs) What have you been doing? (laughs) That's my first question. (laughs) Maybe he is. Let's find out what you've been doing. Um, but yeah, in all truthfulness, like he can't be everywhere at one time. No, right now he's, he's accusing us before Christ. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah. So as we render these down to what we've been learning tonight, what, what do you say? What do you say of these and these? Does Satan exist? Yes. Yes, he does. Um... Does Satan, did he, was he the creator of, of uh, the angels that are with him? And Satan creates, what were we getting at with this one? Satan creates. Satan created Lake of Fire. Was that the idea? No, he did not. Is Satan stronger than he is? Like, like he was thrown out of heaven in disgrace to the earth. A place was prepared for him. A dungeon, Lake of Fire, Lake of Sulfur. Is he, how strong is he? Tell me. He's a weakling. Yeah. As we have this scriptural picture here, we can see that he is a weakling. But in all seriousness, he is. Is he equal opposite to God? Does he hold the light to God? No. He's not his brother. We we know that God created him. God spoke him into existence. Um, Powerfully to be feared. I mean, who's to be feared? What's that, Tony? Effortless. Yeah, with his breath, his coming of his presence. Yeah. Yeah. It's like the news of his coming. It was enough to destroy him. And was he created or was he eternal with God? He was created. The triune God alone was there in the beginning. How about the beliefs of the lake of fire that, that sin has a penalty, a consequence, and that it's forever? It's old-fashioned. doesn't exist. It's a scare tactic. Satan rules it. It's fun. God is love. Wouldn't send anyone there. It's temporary. It's purgatory. Again, temporary. Get, you know, a place of payment to get out of after a while. Are these true of what we learned tonight? Or what did we hear tonight? Did we read in the Word that indeed it is eternal? Right. Yeah, I mean, so 
that clear, but all the images I grew up with growing up in the church is that the fire, or that the punishment is like torture that never ends, like in a physical torture, a physical torture that never ends. Because, but this says everlasting fire. It doesn't say um, everlasting like torture. So yeah. I don't know, but to me, I just, yeah, I mean, we can bat that around a little bit while we're there. I mean, I think, like you hit on it, it's a separation from anything good that God has. So even whether you have a, a common grace from God that you receive or, or a specific grace because you're a follower of his, I mean, you are separated from all of, all of that God is. So everything that God has held together and everything that God has you know, blessed you with, whether you acknowledge him or not, is gone. And so, and they used the language that they could best use that was inspired by God, lake of fire. And there's other metaphors, dark, gloomy, whatever dungeon. Um, they use what they could best art- use to articulate. So, I mean, I just kind of take it at face value when they use that. And it's this idea of, well, we know that, yeah, fire does go out, but um, because it's adding... Right. Yeah, so that's where we are right now. Let's just park it with the devil. But Do you want to add? Uh, some versions they use hell or grave or uh, for hell, but there's purgatory is not in the Bible. So right. Where do we find purgatory? It doesn't make sense. It's uh, tradition made. Yeah. Man made. Right. 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 Yeah. Thanks for yeah. Like an earthly yeah, fire, yeah. Thanks, guys. This is good. Just wait a second. So I think as we as we just package this, we 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 could I think all easily agree upon it's going to be incredibly unpleasant, and there's not going to be an end to it, and uh, just just to kind of cap that, however we describe it. Torture, separation, consequence, fire, it's bad. It's not pleasant. It's ongoing. Um, so let's just finish up this, unless you have something more with this, Emil. Well, Jonah and the whale, he was, and the 
the bell, the, in the belly of a whale, remember? Um, is that like a, like a, like a, like a grave or something? Or, or Not going to go there. Similar to that. I don't know. What, uh, I heard a story that it was something similar to that. Or, uh, Not going to go there, because that's down the line from where we are right now. Yeah. That's right. Everyone hear that? The spirit and soul is everlasting. The body that we have here on earth, yeah, will perish, but there's an aspect of that rising. But yeah, the soul and spirit will be in heaven or hell. Yeah. So are these you guys know the you guys know the routine. Do we do we hold these beliefs? Do we do we blend them with what we have that Satan is still fighting eye for an eye with God? Or, or things, the rest of them, same idea. Do we, do we hold that hell is old-fashioned, that it's a scare tactic? Or is this for our good to know that, that hell does exist and there is consequence for sin? And is it good to also know that God rules supreme or not Satan? Is that good? Yeah. So do we hold these? Carry them forward? Throw, Throw them away. I'm pretty good. No, God gave, me, gave my arm yeah. to do that. <laughs> yeah, that's off the record. <laughs> so in conclusion, you guys, as we wrap up tonight, God and his world has revealed a massive piece of the puzzle that has confused a lot of people over the history and still even today of the origin of evil, of sin. Satan started sin. Satan bred it. It came into his thought, this selfish ambition and pride to raise himself, exalt himself. He wasn't humble in that at all. And, and sin came about. There's consequences. And we also got to touch on more of God's holiness and his righteousness and how he can't be in the presence of it, of sin and rebellion. So he cast Satan and his followers out. Lucifer chose this. He chose the pride. He chose the selfish ambition. He saw how, they, how he was created. He should have known better, but he was arrogant and he wanted to fight for the glory of God. It was frivolous. So this is a key foundational truth to understand going forward. Um, from this lesson, I want to just touch on some other ones to remember. You guys want to try, like shoot for different truths that are standing out to you before I sort of riddle off a list here? right and so just the fact that we have a hope that someday things will be made right evils will be um, defeated is the only really the only reason that we have hope hmm. thank you andrew That's right. Yeah, submit to God, resist the devil. Mm -hmm. Thanks, Brett. That's not a fair fight. That's well, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. It's no comparison. So we don't need to be afraid of the evil that exists. We 
you. Like we don't, mm. we don't say, oh, you're nothing or, or that. Like we acknowledge there is some power there that God has allowed him to exert until a certain time. Right. Yeah. It's not a fair fight. He's so limited, yeah. He's only got a third two. Yeah. Right. So we learned that those angels that fell were called demons or evil spirits. Yeah. Is there is there sin that can happen that uh, you know you kind of get off scot free? No. So there's consequences for sin. Um, And what's I mean, we learned the lake of fire tonight, prepared for the devil and his followers. Will God share his ownership, his rule, his glory? We're not there. We'll get there. But in the story, we're not there. You're right. Um, Yeah, and the punishment, though, for sin, left unchecked, so to speak, is eternal. Eternal punishment, separation. So just like Satan, in a similar sense, we can also let this pride come in. We, too, can say, you know, God, you're not good. I need you. This whole list, we can say, I'm able to overthrow God. The one who created me, I can take his place in my life. I can rule, call the shots, determine my life. We can step into this posture that I exist by my own strength and wisdom. Whatever happened in my life, that job that I got, it's because I worked hard and fought for it. That you have the final say over everything in your life. I'm good and there's no sin in me. We too can take the same posture, self-centeredness, selfish ambition. And it can take us down. We can fester. Or we have over here. Humility. This is the alternative. Lord God, you are good and loving and all gracious. All I need is found in you. Life, breath, sustenance, source, sustainer, giver, provider. Lord God, I belong to you alone as my rightful sole owner. Yeah, we can come under other ownership, but admitting in humility that God is our true sole owner and final ruler. Lord God, I need you to continuously lead and teach me. I'm so limited. Lord God, I exist for you alone. And Lord God, I am a sinner against you and completely unable to help myself. That's a posture of humility. Totally opposite to pride. So I left you guys with a chunk there, personal reflection. That's just for you guys to take on your own, to prayerfully consider and examine your own heart. Um, It's a bit just with the pride and humility question or charts up there. And I do pray for you guys. I pray that God would just continue to, and I include myself with this, reveal and be aware to us the temptations, the misunderstandings we have of his truth to the lies of our culture and society, the deceptions. I mean, it's not difficult to be a believer and carry deception forward with you. So that's why we're doing this. That's why we do this exercise. So I just leave you with those questions as a project, if you wish. Homework, you have homework, students? So challenge yourself if you so wish, but just take it to prayer and just ask God to examine you. And um, yeah, we'll close in the time of prayer. Um, Somebody want to close our time and then we can hang out for a bit or head out of here. Thanks, Tony.